This week I've been hearing a lot of talk about Quinn Priester and him being sent back down to Triple A and how he pitched here in the major leagues, which, you know, wasn't great. But this conversation kind of came out of the expectations that were set for Quinn Priester the whole way back in 2020. In 2019, he was drafted, didn't get to pitch very much. So a lot of the the hype that started around him started in 2020. And people were like, well, how could that be? Because he was at the alternate site in Altoona. They didn't have enough people to even play games there. And, you know, how could the scouts, you know, they weren't really getting eyes on him. But it wasn't like they weren't hearing stuff coming out of there. Well, the big, big thing for Quinn Priester was... That year, there was the Fall Instructional League. And during the Fall Instructional League, after he was in Altoona, where there were whispers coming out about him hitting 99 on the gun with his fastball, with the four-seamer, we got to see that, and the scouts got to see that in the Fall Instructional League. And he pitched in three innings, just three innings in one game, and that could be, you know, a piece of it too. We're not really sure here because we know that if somebody's a reliever, they can easily add, you know, a couple ticks up on their fastball if they're not worried about going, you know, five, six, seven, eight innings. But I mean, he was averaging 97 during that game and he hit 99 on the gun. So basically, you know, all of the experts, or at least the ones, you know, that I was able to look up and see here and the ones that I remembered. Uh, big one was Jim Callis, another one, Jonathan Mayo, both from MLB Pipeline, were saying that Quinn had the ability to become the best pitching prospect in minor league baseball, which is a, a pretty huge statement there. I mean, drafted fairly high, drafted around 19, you know, one of the top, if not the top, you know, prep arm in that class. So, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big deal, but, you know, you finally get to see him again in actual, you know, action in 2021 down in Greensboro, and he was still averaging around 93 to 97, uh, sorry, 96 on the fastball, and he was hitting up to 97, so he had lost a little bit of that velocity, still pitched fairly well, a 3.04 ERA, a 1.239 whip, 98 Ks in just under 98 innings, 97 and two-thirds innings. So even with that, he um, still wasn't seen as like this big you know, swing and miss type of pitcher, but they were hoping that you know there would probably be you know, a little bit more velocity, a little bit more movement on the four-seamer. Flip ahead to 2022, his season is delayed by two months and during his time he finally makes his way back up to Altoona where his original assignment was going to be and he still averages like like 94 to 96 so topping out at that 97 and, and you don't see the stats change all that much I mean the big thing down in Greensboro I mean people would look at you know the 3.04 ERA but like I said, we always here look at the whip. It's the 1.239. Well, you know, in Altoona, 3.29 ERA, 
the 1.207 whip, so still, you know, right around the same, 89Ks in just under 91 innings, the, the 90 and two-thirds innings. So he's still, you know, right around that, you know, having the, the you know, not, the, the K per inning there. Um, so, but then we see this this big change this year. Um, he is throwing around 92 miles per hour to 94 miles per hour. That's his average. Uh, maxing out at around 95. And we see the, the whip creep up. We see the ERA creep up. And we continue to see those, you know, Ks per nine. You, you kind of see those continue to decline. In 87... And two-thirds innings, he has 84 Ks. So, I mean, the biggest thing for me is that, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know, Chris and I had been talking about, and, you know, on this show as well, talking about, you know, talking to you know different people within the minor league industry of, you know, Quinn Priester deciding whether or not he was going to be that, you know, high fastball, maybe hopefully a little bit more velocity than, you know, that 92 to 94, because that's just pretty much putting on a tee for, you know, even triple A hitters. And, you know, it's not something that if he could ramp that velocity back up, is he going to be, you know, that swing and Mitch with type of pitcher, which even with the higher velocity, he really hadn't become, but could possibly still develop into that. Or was he going to become, you know, that sinker ball pitcher? And when he came up to Pittsburgh, I mean, the numbers are absolutely awful. The, the 910 ERA, the 1.91 whip, 23 Ks in just under 29 innings, the 28 and two-thirds innings. And this is the thing that really stuck out to me a lot is his average four-seam fastball, the one that had been reaching, you know, upwards of 99 miles per hour back in 2020 – uh, was only averaging out at 92.6. And the crazy thing about this is that his sinker, you know, the two-seam fastball that he pairs very well with his his curveball, which his curveball has always been his calling card. Ever since he was drafted, I mean, the biggest things was is him basically teaching himself all of his pitches by watching YouTube videos. Um, when he got called up, they interviewed his parents and it was like, well, he, you know, watches these videos and he goes out and tries to do it. Quinn Priester, a guy that I, by chance, uh, with, with the boys over there from Yins, uh, we, you know, met him by chance as the only guy working out on a day where everybody has gotten their day off. So this is like not a thing where it's like any type of work ethic, not being in shape. I mean, the dude's actually, you know, obviously added weight you know when you're drafted out of high school you're naturally going to bulk up a little bit he's still not like you know a hefty guy whatsoever but added some muscle added a little bit of weight so it's kind of strange to me that you know as this happens so it, it's the same thing with I mean I know this is the minor league show but hearing all this stuff about Rowanzi Contreras Luis Ortiz all of these guys losing their velocity and, and saying that it's it's mostly mechanical. Well, you know, as guys go through changes, 
you know, you can do stuff different mechanically, but I mean, as you're adding weight, as you're maturing, I mean, this isn't usually the time you lose velocity on your fastball. Maybe it's the mechanical thing where he can only control it if he throws it, you know, that many miles per hour as opposed to the 99. But I mean, I, it has to still be in there. Um, got called up early. Wasn't somebody I think I'd even put out there, you know, either on Twitter or on the show, uh, the, the regular Bucks in the Basement feed, that, you know, I would be surprised if, if Quinn Priester got more than just a you know, cup of coffee, the Luis Ortiz treatment from last year of just, you know, coming up, making a few starts and not having to do it now. And, you know, whether that's good or, or that's bad, I mean, he's he's getting upwards of, you know, the most innings he's ever pitched in. I guess would be a calendar year with, you know, him pitching some innings in the Arizona fall league back in 2021. So yeah, he's, he's definitely getting up, up there in innings. So, I mean, this was like, kind of like get him up, see what his stuff will do against, you know, major league hitting. And, you know, of course people were calling for him to get called up. And then, you know, his first three innings were like the perfect innings and he, the sinker was working well. And then he just had trouble finding location. So right now, is he like trying to overthrow, you know, whatever it may be, but this leads us into kind of the topic of the show. And even though we're pretty much like already uh, in the Royal week, cause it's just me today um, are about 10 minutes into the show is, is just kind of like when teams are rebuilding, a lot of the times that the things that that stop this rebuild i mean number one would definitely be injuries but you know 1a and 1b but then the other piece of this is that you know how well their pitching staffs are able to develop and and i was looking at you know a couple other pitchers getting a lot of publicity you know both of them rightfully so um this season one i'm going to look at aside from quinn priester would be jared jones Jared Jones is only 22 years old, pitched, you know, 20 games so far this season, a 388 ERA, a 1.25 whip, uh, 110 Ks in just under 93 innings, the 92 and two thirds innings. And the biggest thing for me, for him, like, is that, you know, we're seeing him once again getting up towards you know, those, those innings pitch total in, in 2022, uh, he pitched down in, in Greensboro. He had a 462 ERA, throw that out the 1.35 whip. I mean, definitely showing that, you know, he has the ability to pitch young man, uh, but you know, does put a few, you know, too many guys on base, uh, in those, you know, almost 123 innings, 142 K. So, so not much difference. Uh, the big thing for him is that is that development of that fastball. Um, this slider is something I'll get to too because I honestly believe that's that's probably his best pitch. But the fastball, it, you know, back before when he was in Greensboro, it was coming out like right now, right around ninety six miles an hour. Now it's coming out at ninety nine on average, and he's pumping it up to like a hundred and one during his last start. But I mean, the things that you look at when you are following these people and you're following people on Twitter and stuff like that, I mean, obviously they're going to put out like the good stuff. Like you only have so many characters, but it just kind of seems like, okay, in his last start, 
on August 16th, he had nine Ks. Well, the one thing that wasn't talked about is that along with those nine Ks, he also had eight hits and two walks. Going back to that whip, that's almost a whip of, of two. I mean, even and gave up three runs. So, you know, kind of losing a little bit of that control, getting hit a little bit hard and just wanted to look that like over his last three starts, he actually has a 2.00 whip. So it's kind of started to, you know, I don't know if the arm's getting worn out, pitching this many innings, not sure if he's a guy that, you know, would be consideration for the Arizona fall league. They do in the minor leagues, a lot of times get to spread their starts out a little bit more uh, just because, you know, it's, it, they play six games in a row. A lot of times, I mean, I've seen guys, they'll do the, um, the start on Tuesday and then get a start on Sunday. The start on Sundays is usually a little bit more limited. Um, maybe even almost like a, a piggyback type start, but you can, you can spread out those starts a little bit more. I mean, I know that the major league team needs innings and, you know, Jones is a name that rightfully so has been brought up. And, and I agree that he's had been doing really, really good things. And, and there are still positive things to come about from it. I mean, I could maybe see him being that cup of coffee guy, um, like Ortiz was, like I expected from Priester, where you get a couple of those starts. And just because I'm saying this, he'll, he'll probably get called up for a start either before this is record, you know, you, this gets to your ears, or when I'm before I'm finished recording, it'll be announced that he's coming up. But it's I wouldn't, you know, really expect a lot. I mean, his his pitches will work in the majors, but we kind of see that he's even struggling um, in AAA as of late. So. I mean, maybe this is a thing where he gets up and it may still just be a cup of coffee, even like Priester's was with, you know, I think, you know, like I said, with those, you know, 28 innings pitched. But for me, it's like I I kind of almost would just like to see him maybe work it out down there, get get some seasoning down there, maybe, you know, not pitch as much, take a month off, get a little bit in the Arizona Fall League and, and then maybe get started again. But we also don't know other guys. I mean, there's probably a bunch of guys that you know could be considered for that as well. Guys that have had their season shortened due to injury. Guys that you know maybe have not pitched um, as many innings. I'm thinking maybe like a Braxton Ashcraft, maybe down there in Altoona, uh, could be an Arizona Fall League guy. But I mean, it's kind of getting a little bit off topic. But when you see this stuff come out, and it's just like a lot of people look and they're like, "Oh, he had nine innings." So. It must have been like a really great start. And I mean, it was a, a good start. And, you know, we saw a lot of good things from him during that. But I mean, you can't just ignore, you know, the pattern that's been happening over the last three starts and one that continued uh, during this start. And obviously the, the other guy grabbing, you know, everybody's attention. I mean, we got beat writers traveling down, you know, to Bradenton you know, for the weekend and just to see him or just just to see him pitch and stuff. So, I mean, this is Paul Skeen's. Two innings pitched so far between Bradenton and the FCL. Looks like he's, you know, gonna get another look in Bradenton here. May have already gotten it by the time, you know, once again that you listen to this. But two innings pitched, three Ks, one hit, zero earned runs. The one thing I looked at, like during the most recent start, I think it was sixteen pitches, ten strikes, and it's just a number that just kind of stuck out to me. And it means absolutely, like, really means nothing, but. 
it's just one of the numbers that stuck out to me beyond the, you know, what we already knew he was going to do, the 101 mile per hour fastball. Like, he should dominate these guys. I mean, I've heard and, and I've read and, and talked to people and stuff, and they would say, like, a, a conference like the SEC would be comparable to, you know, at least high A, if not double A ball. So he should be striking these guys out. But the biggest thing I saw from him was – the the zone contact so anytime that the ball is in the zone zone contact was a hundred percent so i mean yes he's a great pitcher and that's not going to diminish this but i mean getting strikeouts on on balls that are outside the zone the the, the sliders you're going to have to be working on you know tunneling with the sinker with with a change up with with different things just so you can disguise that more so i mean He's done exactly what we expected him to do. Um, if he didn't do that, it'd be something I would be shocked of. But another thing that came out you know, during during the time of people being there and talking to him, and I mean, I'm not talking about the Livy Dunn stuff. I mean, honestly, could care less who he's dating. You know, very beautiful young girl, very popular. You know, young girl, I guess on Twitter, Instagram, something. I mean, she's got money and I did read somewhere that she doesn't like to go to school. Like she, she has, she has all her work from home now or something, but beyond that, it is the, the stuff of, you know, him being you know allowed to hit, you know, within the pirate system, because you know, a lot of people know this and priority knows by now he was a catcher, a designated hitter along with being a relief pitcher out at air force. And, you know, in two, in 2021, he had 220 plate appearances, slash line of 410, 486, 697, 11 home runs. One thing that kind of sticks out to me there, though, is he had 45 Ks and 22 base on balls. I, you know, a lot of times you see players that you know are good college hitters. You'll you'll see that reverse or at least a little bit close together. Um, and the other year that he did, 2022. Only had 182 plate appearances, slash 314, 412, 634, 13 home runs, 40 Ks, 21 base on balls. So once again, just a little bit, you know, lopsided in that area. And I, I just wanted to say something about this is that it's not to degrade the conference that he's in. It's not saying that a good hitter or a good player can't come out of there. Uh, the Pirates have a player, you know, in their system right now who's been showing off, you know, pretty well uh, down in Bradenton and, and Charles McAdoo, who is also from this conference. But in 2021, when he had that slash line that began with a 410, the average ERA for the teams in the MWC, the Mountain West, was 642 with a one. 0.731 whip and the number one ERA the team with the best ERA in the conference that year averaged a 536 in 2022 when his average dropped you know down to 314 still striking out a decent amount the ERA in that conference the average ERA was right around there at a 6.48 Whip was right around the same at a 1.710, and the best team had a 510 ERA. 
And both years, a team in that conference had an ERA, a team ERA over nine. So, so the pitching in that conference is not stellar. I mean, to say the least, just in comparison's sake, in the SEC, where Skeens pitched last year, the average ERA was a full point lower than the best year for the Mountain West at a 5.41. The whip was a 1.443. And there were eight teams in the conference with an ERA below five. And there were six teams with a whip below 1.400. So just looking at that, I mean, there's no way that, you know, the hitting and everything would be the same. So, I mean, it's definitely a talking point, but I mean, if he's a hitter, I mean, I've seen stuff out there that, you know, he would have been drafted somewhere in the first, you know, three rounds or whatever. Well, it's more like the three to five range, you know, kind of in my opinion, like not saying he's a bad hitter, but I mean, this is not like a guy who was, you know, pitching and lighting, hitting and, you know, pitching in the SEC and, and lighting it up from both sides, you know, of the plate. So the, just something, you know, to really think about. And this kind of leads me to, you know, rebuilds that are, are built on pitching and, the, the Pirates, and with any rebuild, I mean, pitching can put you over the top of that. And I have three examples here, and two examples are kind of like where pitching has fallen short and how it has you know, almost sent these teams that you know were supposed to be at the end of their rebuilds possibly back into a, I wouldn't know if it would be a full-on rebuild, but at least a, a retool. Uh, the first one of those is the Kansas City Royals. And the Kansas City Royals famously in 2018 had four picks in the first round with three of those being comp picks. Took uh, Brady Singer and then with the comp picks, they took Daniel Lynch, Jackson Cower, and Chris Bubik. Also, in 2020, with their first overall pick, they took Asa Lacey. Now, Brady Singer has pitched so far in 90 games, has a little bit over 481 innings pitched. He has accumulated 6.8 war, a 426 ERA with a 1.304 whip. So this is something that, that possibly could you know improve a little bit. Lynch has been worth 0.7 war uh, in 51 games and just around 252 innings pitched. A was it? It's a 5.18 ERA and a 1.524 WHIP. Um, then you have Jackson Cower. Jackson Cower has a a negative 2.5 WAR, a 9.83 ERA in 21 games and just under 58 innings pitch with a 2.133 whip. And then finally from that draft, there's, you know, Chris Bubik right now, a 1.7 war has pitched 325 innings in 70 games. He has a 385 ERA and a 1.520 whip. And as anybody that, you know, follows the minor leagues, Asa Lacey has been injured pretty much off and on, mostly on, 
uh, since he was drafted, and he has a total of 80 minor league innings over the past few years, um, a 7.09 ERA and a 1.713 whip. Uh, currently on the 60-day IL, from what I read right now, definitely not great. So what is falling short there? I mean, we have all this pitching. Well, you know, the Royals kind of went out and, and front-loaded that with, with a lot of first-round pick, comp picks, first-round pick, you know, sprinkling in some players there. But we see them, you know, pretty much vying for, you know, one of the, the number one pick overall this year. And they were thinking that, you know, that's coming out of that rebuild. Another team that did the same thing is the Detroit Tigers. And this one has been, you know, injuries, has been, you know, poor performance, whatever it may be. You had Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Tark Skubal that were supposed to be, you know, the guys that, you know, were going to be the guys that kind of led them to the promised land. You know, first round uh, in 2018, 2016, uh, with Casey Mize, the, the first round in, in 2018, a 2.8 war. Uh, 188 innings pitched. He does have a really good 1.208 whip, uh, but, but just really hasn't been able to put it together. Matt Manning, um, he has, you know, 207 innings pitched. Once again, like a, a decent whip, the 1.309, uh, 0.8 war, just really hasn't been able to put it together. And then you have Tark Skubal, uh, the 3.3 war, He's got the the 4.16 ERA, uh, the 1.207 WHIP. So it's not like that, you know. The the they've been written off as much. Uh, that those ones have been like kind of like more injury related. So this one might be more of like a retool than a rebuild. But they thought that at this point in time with those pitchers, you know, with the people they had brought in, that they would be a lot further along. So it's just so showing that you know rebuilds, you know, won't work out <laughs> guaranteed and we've even seen it this year with injuries to you know Brubaker to Velasquez to, to Mike Burrow and you know seeing Quinn come up and struggle and the book isn't written on him yet but it's also not a guarantee so like out of the three guys I listed for the Pirates I mean you would hope that two of them you know, would be able to to make it definitely one if one doesn't make it then you know goodness then, then you're basically in in a Royals type situation there and you know, this this rebuilds indefinite trouble. But the last team I bring up a lot, you know, when talking about rebuilds, and it's the Baltimore Orioles. And the Baltimore Orioles in this year, you know, <laughs> one of the best records in baseball, just just playing extremely well. And the big thing for me was like last year, the pitching just just wasn't there yet. I looked, and this is just a basic, you know, they had the 19th best pitching staff, you know, starters and relievers. In Major League Baseball, so a little bit below average. You know, team was you know, finishing just right around average. But then this year, I mean, they're not like you know the best pitching staff, but they've bumped you know the whole way up to tenth because uh, guys are kind of coming around, more guys filling in. You know, there have been guys have been sent back down as well, but that's really come together for them. I mean, I know that they do have good hitters as well, but I mean, when you go from nineteenth to tenth, that kind of shows you know, where you could build that up. And if, if the Pirates, you know, could even come anywhere in the top half, I, I feel like that that would move them more towards, you know, what people would be looking for in 2024, which would be more of that 500 record.
A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer, let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here, I love that pitcher of beer. Alright guys, we're heading back down to the Pigeon Forge area, Tennessee. Uh, for this week's brews section of the minor league news and brews uh, when me and the wife we pulled into uh, Johnson City Tennessee stopped at a nice little beer shop down there to get a couple of beers while the kids you know were swimming in the hotel pool got one I couldn't pass this up it was from Johnson City Brewing it was called Hop Hopalo because I'm from Apollo Pennsylvania and this one's Hopalo, uh, Apollo 13, and it was American IPA coming in at 5.3. Great beer, great drinkability, coming in at a 450, adjusted to that weighted based on batting average, bringing it down to about a 400. The other one was Dissolver Brewing, and that one uh, was from North Carolina over in Asheville, which is actually, you know, when you get down there, all of those places are <laughs> pretty close together. And this was from Dissolver Brewing. The thank you for existing Kolsch had a cool little alien on the cover of it. I, I love, you know, beer cans, the craft beers and stuff. Uh, just for coming up with these ideas, the Kolsch coming in at 4.8%. Give that a 425, knock that down to 375. And after we had taken in the Tennessee Smokies game, we went to Smoky Mountain Brewing, downtown Gatlinburg. Had myself the Abbey Pale Ale coming in at 5%. Give that a 425, down to a 375. I also had just a regular IPA, 6.2%. Give that a 400, down to 350. I do know that, that the Smoky Mountain Brewing, they have a few different locations down there we went to the Gatlinburg one for the views had a great time down there and we do have I do have some more Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge brews uh, to go over next week but until then let's go Indians let's go Curve let's go Hoppers let's go Marauders let's go Florida Complex League let's go Dominican Suburb League Pirates the Black and the Gold